0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis on Abraham being a friend of God. And what if Abraham never left Ur? Would he still be a friend of God? This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Lord Jesus, we remember how you lifted up your hands to heaven and you thanked your Father that you hid these things from the wise and prudent and you revealed them to babes. And Lord, this morning we come and we want to be those children, Lord, that look to you to teach us and reveal to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, just want to say that uh, in our last study, you remember that I told several stories of the early days of scannabodies bodies, and when, without knowing what I was getting into, I went ahead and I said every time that, um, like Sarah, Cheryl sa- never said no. You remember that? Well, anyways, we had a groundbreaking ceremony for our second building at Takati last week. And I told uh, all the people that we had about 550 people. I I told those same stories and Cheryl was there. And um, I kept saying that, you know, like uh, Sarah, Cheryl never said no. And so at the end, to everybody's surprise, especially mine, Cheryl got up and (laughs) went up to the podium and she said, I'd like to clarify something. And I was in shock. And she said, Cheryl, like Sarah, always said no. <laughs> but Tom, like Abraham, never listened. <laughs> so, I mean, many women came up to Cheryl afterward and thanked her for that. So, oh, what can you do? All right. <laughs> yeah. All right, now, if you'd like to turn in, uh, to Genesis chapter 12, verse uh, 1 through 3, we want to consider these verses again here. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I'll bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Alright, now, uh, we started the study in this very important person, the first man in the Bible who's ever been called the friend of God, so he's got our attention. And if for no other reason, that's why we focus on Abraham. And we've seen how God called this, this man Abraham with these words in Genesis 12, 1, get thee out. And he mentioned three things. He mentioned you got, you must leave your country, you must leave your kindred, you must leave your father's house. So we saw how God's call to Abraham was a call of separation. He wanted separation. God knew that he had put Abraham right in the middle of a critical choice that he had to make. Abraham was in a tough situation because on one hand, Abraham saw his familiar country, he saw his people, he saw his father's house, and on the other hand, he saw God. And the words of God that resonated inside Abraham were these words, Get thee out. And when though, with those words, Abraham then, he knew that he had to make the choice. It was going to be between God or Abraham's country. It was going to be between God or Abraham's people. It was going to be between God or Abraham's father's house. And God knew that this was not going to be easy for abraham to choose over his country and his kindred in his father's house so the word of god that he gave to abraham was that he wanted to bring Abraham, as you see in the last part of that verse unto a land that i will show thee unto a land that i will show thee it was a wonderful land it wasn't all the details were not revealed but it was going to be a land that god was going to show him so really when you look at this verse and taking a step back, this verse 1 is the introduction of Abraham the father of the Jewish people. Verse 1 is God's way to introduce to Abraham the father of the Jewish people. Verse 1 is the scene that God has chosen to bring Abraham onto the stage of Jewish history. Verse 1 is God setting the stage for this critical introduction of Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, and then God says to us, the way we can look at verse 1, God says to us, Now, with this stage that I've set, with this scene that I have selected, I would like to introduce to you Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. Now, God had many, many options, Many options for how he wanted to introduce to the world Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. He had many, many options. God had a lot of options that were available to him. He had the whole life of Abraham, who at this point is uh, more than 50 years old. He had his family, Abraham's family he came from. He could choose any one of the possible scenes to introduce Abraham to us. And we know that with all these events, that God had to choose from, of this 50 years of Abraham's life, to introduce Abraham to us. You know how we study people in the Bible, how we've been doing this, and how I like to say, you know, freeze that picture or hold that scene. And sometimes, you know, I'd like to take out my iPhone. It never works properly. But anyways, and make this, see, I told you it doesn't work. Anyway, make this clicking sound. It doesn't work. Anyway, so what can I do? All right. So to make the camera shutter sound, you know. The reason I do that is because in the Bible, God has chosen significant scenes to bring out to us. And the best way that we can learn from these scenes is just to freeze those scenes and study them. You know, just like when you really want to take in what's happening. My wife and I would like to watch these old things, Bonanza, you know. Anyways, it's a weakness, what can we say? And sometimes we like to hit the pause button And just study the expressions on everybody's face, you know. That's what God wants us to do in the Bible. Hit the pause button and just let ourselves get impressed with what's happening. So we picture God. He's looking over like this picture album of the 50 years of Abraham's life. And he's looking over each picture of the life of Abraham. And he's flipping through the pictures of the picture album, Abraham's life. And he's looking for the perfect picture to use. This is what God is doing. And to introduce to us, what's the best picture God's looking for? To introduce to us, the father of the Jewish people He's going to use this. And so he looks at this picture, and he says, no, that's not the one I want. And he goes on, and, and the next picture, no, that's not the one I'm looking for. And finally, God sees this picture. He chooses this picture for the life of Abraham, and he says, that's it. That's the one. I found it. I found the picture I was looking for. That's the perfect picture I was looking for to use to introduce to the world the father of the Jewish people, Abraham. Because God knew that for all eternity, that not only the Jewish people, but the world would read Genesis 12:1 and understand this is the picture that God chose to introduce Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. It's a very interesting picture. And now we want to take one step backwards. backwards. Of course, we look at what he said, But we want to ask God a very important question. And the question is, Lord, of all the pictures that you could have chosen to introduce Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, why did you choose that picture? Why was that picture so important to you? And if we ask God that question as to why he chose that particular picture of Abraham being commanded to leave his country, his kindred, his father's house, and we want God to tell us why, God might say something like that. You know why I chose that picture? I chose that picture to introduce the father of the Jewish people because it's a picture of Abraham choosing God over country. It's a picture of Abraham choosing God over his kindred, his people. It's a picture of Abraham choosing God over his father's house. And that's the best picture for me to introduce Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, to the world. And when I want to introduce... To the Jewish people, their father Abraham, that's the signature scene right there. That's the one I want them to see. Why? Why does God want the Jewish people to see their father Abraham as being commanded to leave country and kindred and father's house? Why does God want to introduce Abraham to the Jewish people as choosing God over country, choosing God over kindred, choosing God over his father's house? Because God knew that Jewish people would have to, would be put in the Abraham position. They would have to choose between Jehovah Jesus and their own Jewish people. They would have to choose between Jehovah Jesus and their father's house, or their mother's house, anyway. And He wanted the first picture they saw of Abraham, their father. He wanted that to be the picture of them choosing Jehovah Jesus over their own Jewish people. Abraham, their father, choosing Jehovah Jesus over their father's house. See, because by putting that picture of Abraham as the first picture of the father of the Jewish people in front of the Jewish people, God is saying, let the record be clear. Let the record be crystal clear that the father of the Jewish people be clearly seen as first choosing Jehovah Jesus over the Jesus rejecting Jewish people. It's a little personal for me, I'm sorry. I get a little worked up in this. (laughs) All right, so, so God is saying, let the record be clear that the father of the Jewish people first be seen as choosing the Jehovah Jesus over the Jesus rejecting personal family. Of that person. And that's what he's doing here. It means that to be Jewish is to choose Jehovah Jesus over the Jesus rejecting Jewish family. Verse 1 is history. This is God's historical record of what happened to Abraham. And it's a picture of Abraham choosing Jehovah Jesus over his own people, his father's house. Now, when the rabbis say, which they do, that to be Jewish, you have to stand with the Jewish people and the family uh, who rejects Jehovah Jesus, that's not according to history. That's not according to Genesis 12.1. And when the rabbis do that, they are doing what they are very good at, which is revisionist writing, revisionist writing. The, the, the Talmud and all the parts of it is nothing more than revisionist writing. That God gave the written law. The oral law is revisionist writing. And so when Ahimejab over in Iran has the history books rewritten to state that the Holocaust never took place, that's revisionist writing of history. And when the rabbis say that to be Jewish is to reject Jehovah Jesus, that's revisionist writing of Genesis 12.1 of Abraham who chose God. Over his people in his own father's house. So, the history of the father of the Jewish people, Abraham, is a history of a man who chose Jehovah Jesus over his people in his father's house. So, to be a follower of the father of the Jewish people, to be Jewish, is to choose Jehovah Jesus over the Jewish people in the Jewish father's house. And to say that to be Jewish is to choose against Jehovah Jesus and side with the majority of the Jesus rejecting Jewish people. That's revisionist writing, because it's not what history states here in Genesis 12.1. And this is such a major issue for the Jewish people that God shows this picture of Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, choosing Jehovah Jesus over his people his father's house. And that's why it's so important. I mean, I, just, I have in my mind as I'm telling you this, the Hasidic Orthodox rabbi who came out and prayed with us to received Jehovah Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and then returned home, and he was so excited to begin his work of, uh, as he could have put it, gently introducing the concept of Jehovah Jesus. There's no such thing, but anyway. To his Jewish wife, who bore his Jewish children, and to his Jewish parents, who bought his home (laughs) that he lived in and put him in the business that he was working in, and to his Jewish congregation. And as he ventured into the subject of the Jehovah Jesus, it became clear to him that he had to choose, like Abraham, between Jehovah Jesus and his Jewish wife. He had to choose between Jehovah Jesus and his Jewish children. He had to choose, I mean, think about this, if you were in this situation, between, between Jehovah Jesus and his Jewish parents, and the house that they bought him, and the business that they put him in, and between his congregation. So tragically, he chose to reject Jehovah Jesus, and he called me on the phone and said, Tom, I've decided to remain Jewish. And I told him this passage here in Genesis 12:1 that to be Jewish is to follow Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, who chose Jehovah Jesus over his people and over his house. And because this crisis of choice is such an issue for the Jewish people, all of all the pictures that God have chosen To introduce the father of the Jewish people, God chose this picture of him choosing Jehovah Jesus over all else. So God's call to Abraham was a call of separation. Dad, today you talked about Abraham being a friend of God. And you implied that Abraham was a friend of God because he obeyed God when God called him to leave his own country, people, and family. Does that mean that Abraham would not be a friend of God unless he left his own country, people, and family? Well, David, that's a very good question. And the relationship between being a friend of God and separating from what is sin is very, very important. And it's described for us among other places, but one in particular in 2 Corinthians six sixteen 16-18, where it says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idol? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God. Now, It's very interesting in here, because what we have is a description of what we want for a best friend. First, God says, I will dwell in them. This is a description of a great friend. The word dwell, we've looked at it before, the Hebrew word shachan, that means to live, to unpack, to be there, to don't have any thoughts of leaving. It's the I will never leave you concept. It was, you're not going, a friend does not abandon, you know, and you want to be with the friend, you want to spend time with the friend. And they spend time with the friend because you're with the friend. My wife, Cheryl, is my friend. And so sometimes she's going to shopping or something like that. And I said, where are you going? And then I say, well, um, you know, uh, I'm going to buy something, and and I'll say, well, okay, I want to go with you, or I'll be going somewhere, and I'll say, you know, why don't you come with me? And she says, why? And I says, well, I'm going down to the store to buy a screwdriver. And she'll say, well, a screwdriver has nothing to do with me. And I'll say, yes, but we can be together. And that's the concept of a friend, to be together. So when God says, I will dwell in them, it's the concept that God is saying, I will be together With you, That's a great friend. And then God says in 2 Corinthians 6 that he says, I will walk with them. Oh, that means that he's always there. It means that he's always present. The friend who's always there. What could be better in a friend than to have a friend always there during the walking time, during the time when you're caught off guard, during the time when you see something, during the time when something happens in your life and you say, oh, I wish my friend was here. If only my friend was with me. My friend should see. This. Then I don't have to describe it. Well, God is always there, and that's what he means by the term I will walk with them. He'll always be there. And then he says, I will receive you. Well, that's great. That means that God is saying he'll never turn us away. You know what's a what, 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 what's not so great a thing? Caller ID. What's caller ID? Caller ID gives the person the opportunity to evaluate, do I want to talk to this person? Do I want to receive this person on the phone? Do I not want to receive this person on the phone? Or when you're talking to somebody else and you have call waiting, and all of a sudden then you see on the call waiting who the caller ID is, you get the the evaluation of the bump. Am I going to bump this person or not? God says with the words, I will receive you. He says, I will never not answer when I see the caller ideas from you. I will never bump you when I see that that another caller ID come in. I'll be there for you. I will receive you. Of course, God has the advantage of being omniscient, which means, I mean, omnipresent, which means that he's everywhere. In other words, he can have multiple calls going at the same time. And so, therefore, God doesn't have a busy signal. But I will receive you means that the door is always open. That's a great friend. And then he says, I will be a father to you, a father. Who is a father? A father is one who loves. God loves us as a father. A father is one who listens to us. God listens to us as a father. A father is one who gives us advice for what to do, which is so often we don't know what to do. But a father gives us advice, and God as a father gives us advice. And a father takes us with him. And God says, I'm not going to abandon you. I'll, you'll always have me. And so these are great descriptions of a friend. And so now the question comes, what stands in our way? What is standing in our way from, from, from this wonderful friendship? And God says in, in this passage in 2 Corinthians 6, 16, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? In other words, what agreement is there with God and sin? And there must be an agreement because Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? Is it possible for two to walk together except they're agreed? And the answer is rhetorical. It's of course, no, they can't walk together unless they're agreed. And so what is the agreement that we have to have with God? We have to agree on what we love that it has to be the same as what God loves and we have to agree on what God hates and it has to be the same as what God hates. So we look at Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, and we get a list of what God hates, what's an abomination to him. And he says in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Number one, pride, a proud look Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Number four, a heart that deviseth evil imaginations. Number five, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Number six, a false witness that speaketh lies. Number seven, he that soweth discord among brethren. So what's God saying here? He's saying here, I hate these things. These are an abomination to me. So if we're going to have the friendship of God, we have to have the agreement of God. We have to hate them also. We have to hate sin. When God looks at at the lyingness of adultery and sexual immorality, God says, I hate it. We have to say, I hate it. We have to say we hate it in our lives also. When God sees the pride of, whoa, do you know I'm really something, God hates it. And we have to hate pride in ourselves also. When God sees anger rise up to the point of, ooh, a murderous spirit, now maybe not indeed, but you say, boy, if I only could, I would. God hates it. And we have to put our finger on it ourselves and said, we hate it. And the more we hate what God hates, the more we love what God loves, the more we're in agreement with God, the more we're in agreement with God, the more we walk together, the more that we have all these benefits of God being our God, of God being our friend, of us being able to say, you know, we're the people of God, we're we're a man of God, we're a woman of God because we hate what he hates and we love what he loves. And that brings us into this wonderful friendship. Now, in the case of Abraham, God told Abraham, because in Ur in the Chaldees, he was living in a city of idolatry, and his family were idolaters, and his his father was an, an idol maker. That's what they say. I don't know, but that's what they say. But anyway, so God said to Abraham, lech lecha, get thee out of thy country. Go walking out, walk and walk, go and go, out of thy country. Out of thy people, thy kindred, out of thy father's house. This was a great price that Abraham had to pay, tremendous price. I mean, do you think it didn't hurt him to leave the place of his familiarity, his friends where he knew? Do you think it didn't hurt him to leave his own people? You think it didn't hurt him for leave his own family? It hurt. It hurt deeply. It's the pain of separation. But God was worth it. And Abraham saw that God was worth it. And Abraham knew that to be a friend of God was worth the price of paying, of leaving his country, leaving his people, leaving his family so he could be God's friend. Because when God called him to separate, it was a call not just to leave, it was a call to come. Because God was saying, come over from being in agreement with the unholy to being in agreement with the holy. And when you do that, you'll be my friend. And in the friendship, you'll know me as the one who dwells in you, who's always with you. You'll know me as the one who walks with you, who's always walking with you through life. You'll know me as the one who always will receive you whenever you call. You'll know me as the one who is a father to you, who listens to you, who gives you advice, who who will never forsake you. I will be your friend if you're in agreement with me, and you take this stand. So in other words, Abraham, was Abraham a sinner? Yes, but Abraham was a sinner who was saved because he obeyed God. When he heard God call him, he obeyed God, and he left his country. So that's the relationship between obeying God and being a friend of God. Those are God's terms for coming to him. We want to say, oh, let's be friends and let me alone. God, let me be the life that I had and let me just continue. And God says, no, friendship for me means separation from sin. That's what it means to be in agreement with God. And Abraham was willing to do that. Therefore, Abraham was a friend of God. Join the Creation and Earth History Museum for our annual Museum Day celebration. Hi, I'm Tom Cantor, president of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, and I'd like to invite you to Museum Day, Saturday, September 28th, at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Don't miss the grand opening of our new Kids Knee High Exhibits. We will also feature a live wildlife show by Dan the Animal Man. Activities include a live performance from the cast and crew of Jonathan Park, along with the Jonathan Park Adventure Land, including rides, games, face painting, balloon artists, refreshments, raffles, and more. Special guest speakers, Ray Comfort, Dr. Gary Parker, Dr. John Morris, Dr. Randy Guliza, Russ Miller, and Dan Breeding. This event will help your family understand the importance and significance of the biblical record and how it affects our faith today. It's free, fun, family entertainment. Learn more online at creationsd.org. Creationsd.org.